Well, it's time to discuss another player that Kyle Dubas could go after when free agency starts on July 1st. No, it's not for a top six role. This time, I think it will be for a bottom six role. That's coming up right after this. Your Locked On Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Endless Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Before we get to our free agent target that I have in mind for today's episode, I do want to take a couple of minutes to discuss San Savern, who passed away on Monday at the age of 76, the godfather of Pittsburgh sports media, an icon to the city of Pittsburgh. When I was a kid, I would always try to tune in to whatever he was on, whether it was radio or television. He did work with the Steelers, did work with the Penguins, did work with the Pirates. Every time I tuned in, again, whether it was radio or television, I got smarter. And he is also a reason why I wanted to pursue a career in journalism. He did everything the right way, was always kind to people, was always gracious to people, treated everyone with the utmost respect. Just listening to his show and seeing people calling on TV or, or on the radio and just seeing how nice he was to everyone there in person. He was a tremendous human being and again, was a total icon in this city for the last 40 to 50 years. And look at what everyone is saying on social media right now when it comes to Stan. He was beloved here. You felt like he was just going to work and live forever. I know I personally didn't know him, but in a way I kind of felt like I did because of the way he engaged with people on his show, the way he talked about Pittsburgh sports. He was a national treasure. And when you think of Pittsburgh sports, one of the first people that comes to mind is Stan Saverin. My thoughts and prayers go out to him, his family, and his loved ones during his time. Stan, there will never be another one like you. Rest easy, fly high, and love the show always. So I just wanted to start off the show with that. Going forward, let's get into a free agent target that I do have in mind for the payments. I don't think he's been talked about too, too much yet from anyone. I don't really think anyone's really been discussing him in the Penguins media sphere or really the fans. And that is Pierre Engvall played for the Toronto Maple Leafs this season and also played for the New York Islanders. He was traded to the Islanders a little later on in the season to move that Dubas could be regretting a little bit because Engvall went on to play very well for the Islanders and helped them get into the playoffs and only 18 games had five goals and nine points finished the season with 17 goals and 30 points in 76, 76 games. This is his second straight season where he has had 15 plus goals and 30 plus points before these last couple of seasons, you know, 2020 when he first came in at eight goals, 15 points next season after that had seven goals, 12 points. But after that, he really broke through and he is shaping up to get a pretty, I would say a pretty decent contract in free agency. 
when he hits the market on July 1st. And I think he would be a great addition to the Penguins' bottom six. Kyle Dubas also knows him, was with Engvall for the last four years that Dubas was a general manager, could easily see him having interest in him, even though he traded him to the Islanders you know, a little later on in the season. He's young, only 27, can score for you, can play make, can play on the penalty kill. Can you, you can even put him on the second power play. Heck, the Islanders are putting him in their top six late in the season. I know they're not the deepest team, but if there are some injuries to the Penguins, he can also play in the top six if need be. His underlines this year were tremendous. And it, we'll start with the Leafs right here and played 58 games, 664 minutes. When he was on the ice, the Leafs had 53% of the shot attempts. They also had about 50% of the actual goals for 55% of the expected goal share, 53% of the scoring chances, 57% of the high danger chances, and 72% of the high danger goals for 16 for six against. You move on to his time with the Islanders and his numbers. Some of his numbers went up and a lot of some of the other numbers stayed the same. Islanders, 18 games. When he was on the ice, they had 57% of the shot attempts. They also had 65% of the actual goals for 21 for 11 against 55% of the expected goal share, 58% of the scoring chances, 55% of the high danger chances, and 66% of the high danger goals for shot 14% in those final 18 games. So there's going to be a little bit of a regression that comes with that. He only shot 6.6% when he was with the Maple Leafs, but he had a great season when it comes to the numbers and the counting stats, he is a perfect fit for this team. And I think what they're trying to accomplish in the bottom six, he's a pure left winger. Penguins could use at least one of those <laughs> for their bottom six. Heck, they could use probably four new players for their bottom six. You can even make an argument that they need six new players for their bottom six. And again, this will also appease the crowd of them wanting to get younger. I have seen this a lot. As of late, where people don't want the Penguins to go out and get a bunch of 30-plus-year-old players, I understand that. I had people saying it about Mark Shifley, though I think Shifley is a little bit of a different story because he had 40-plus goals this past season. But for someone like Engvall, he's 27. You can probably sign him to, like, what, a three- to four-year term? He made $2.25 million this past season, so he's going to be asking for a raise. You can get him for what? What, remember what Brandon Tanev got on the open market, $3.5 million. I think if you can get him for three times 3.5, four times 3.5, you're fine. I don't think I would give him the Brandon Tanev contract, which was six years times $3.5 million, but I would definitely be interested in signing him to play in the bottom six. He has everything the Penguins could be looking for in a player. Again, can score goals, has a great first pass, good skating ability, can forecheck, win battles along the boards, can play on the second power play, can can kill penalties. He can do everything that is required from a player in the bottom six, and he would fit Mike Sullivan's system to a T. Kyle Dubas, very familiar with him, even though he traded him. I really, and I mean really, like this player. It took him a little bit to get going. First couple of seasons in the NHL weren't really much to write home about, but these last couple of seasons have been very good for Engvall. So, I would be very intrigued about signing him if I were Kyle Dubas. Again, wouldn't like the term three to four years, I think is good. If you can get him for 3.5, maybe 3.6 million per season, it's probably fair. But he is exactly the type of player that Penguins should be acquiring for their bottom six. A speed first player, someone who can put the puck in the back of the net, someone who can also take the pressure off of Sidney Crosby and of getting Malkin and all those top guys 
when they're having an off game or two. Because so many times this past season, right, Penguins just never got enough depth scoring when Crosby, Malkin, Raquel, Gensel were just taking some time off, and that killed them. Remember when this team was so deep, you know, especially during the Jim Rutherford era, toward the end of the Jim Rutherford era, even during the start of the Ron Hextall era until Hextall really just butchered it? They got away from that over this last year, year and a half. It's time to get back to being a four-line team and having players who can help take the pressure off the big guns so they don't have to carry the team on a nightly basis. He is definitely one to monitor. I'm not really crazy about this free agency class as a whole, and I understand he got top six minutes with the Islanders this past season, but on the Penguins, he would be playing, I think, on the third line, and he will be someone who can contribute you know, definitely on a weekly basis. I don't know if he'll be on a, on a nightly basis because he's not going to score every game, but I think you know, definitely on, on like a weekly basis. I, I am very interested in bringing this player aboard. Has the stats, has the underlings, passes the eye test. Total Mike Sullivan type player and also a player that, you know, Dubas should go after on the free agent market. So that wraps up this first segment. Let me know what you all think down in the comments. You can also send me a DM on social media. Do you think Pierre Engvall would make sense for the Penguins on free agent, free agent frenzy, which is July 1st? Can we think about it right now? We're about, what, 18 days away, so almost two and a half weeks. It's coming up really quick, very, very quickly. So let's see if Dubis goes after him. Once that starts, and I do think he's going to have a lot of interest. You know, the Islanders, I think, will be trying to re-sign him, though. I think they're also trying to re-sign Scott Mayfield. He's going to look for a lot of term. Other teams in the East and the West will be going after Engel after the season that he just had. But that will do it for this first segment. Coming up in the second, we're going to get into Mark Friedman's season review, what I thought from him this season, and what I expect from him heading into next season. But before we discuss that, we have to jump into eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, you can head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage garage, excuse me, and look for the green check to know the part will fit or you will get your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's very easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. That's right, eBay Guarantee Fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. I'm back in this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at Show Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen today. We are free and available on all platforms. So continuing with our season reviews is one of the final extras that I have to do on defense before we get to some of the extra forwards. Is Mark Freeman started the season in the AHL, was called up numerous times, ended up playing a grand total of 23 games. So the Penguins a season, one goal, three points in those 23 games. His offensive numbers have really nothing been, you know, that much, you know, to write home about in 65 career games, four goals, 12 points in those games. He's played sparingly throughout his time as a Penguin, but 
he's still also a very good number seven or number eight defenseman to have. You can do a lot worse when it comes to Mark Freeman, a.k.a. Lord Farquaad, as Brian Boyle from last season, a couple other Penguins players had the shirt of him. And I would love to find that shirt. If if they, if whoever makes that, whoever made that shirt wants to make more, please do it. Because I will buy that one in a heartbeat. I thought it was a hilarious shirt when Brian Boyle and a couple of the other players were wearing. I think Jason Zucker was also wearing it during a media availability as well. The underlings though, Friedman this year played 301 minutes at even strength when he was on the ice. The Penguins had 53% of the shot attempts. They also had 54% of the actual goals for, 57% of the expected goal share. His expected goal share total has always been very high, especially for the last three seasons that he's been in Pittsburgh, 58% in 2021, last year 55.3, then this year 57.4. Also, 161 scoring chances for, 134 scoring chances against for 54.5%, 67 high danger chances for, 55 high danger chances against for 54.9%. Hopefully, we can round up to 55. And then nine high danger goals for, when he's on ice, four high danger goals against, shot 6.86% on the ice. So his underlings have always been super strong for as long as he's been a penguin. You know, there's a reason why he was called the expected goals god when you know he was on the ice. If you go to Micah Blake McCurdy's charts for hockey viz, there's a whole blob of red right around the center of the offensive zone and it just shows where he drives and that just shows where he drives offense. And it's been like that his entire penguins tenure. It was like it a lot bigger when he first came over in that very short sample size. It's gone down a little bit, but it's it's still very much there. And again, I really like him as a number seven or a number eight defenseman in this system. He can come up anytime. He can give you quality minutes on the bottom pairing. Heck, he can even play for you on the second pairing at times. He's always def- defensively responsible in his own zone, has a booming shot from the point. He can also... If you need me, quarterback the second power play, though, if you're if he's quarterback in the second power play, that means your defense is pretty banged up. I've always been a fan of him. You know, he also brings that added physical presence that I know a lot of people in this fan base like. I know some people think this team is a bit soft. They don't really go after the body a lot. I personally think that some some of some of the physicality talk is a little overrated, but I do like seeing him throw a pretty nice hit once in a while. And, oh, yeah, he'll get in your face as well. He's a hilarious troll. He reminds me of a couple of my buddies who just love getting people riled up. That is Mark Friedman. He lives on getting people hashtag mad online. Just you know, go back to that game against the Rangers. That was when actually Shesterkin did that hand motion saying like, oh, yeah, keep, keep talking. He was doing that to Mark Friedman because Friedman was just barking at him when the Penguins got – we're going off the ice after they lost, was it 4 nothing, late uh, last season in 2022, not this past season. And he was doing it all throughout that series against the Rangers. He was doing it in the games this past season. He is a ton of fun when he is on the ice. And for the minutes that he provided the Penguins this season, I thought he was totally fine. He is, a, again, a perfect number seven or number eight guy in your system. If you, the Penguins go out and make some changes to their defense this offseason, right? And say, you know, you move on from Jeff Petrie. Somehow you bring in someone else on the right side. You bring in a top four guy for your left side. You move out Jan Ruda. Chad Riedel steps in. And, you know, you have a top six of whoever's playing with Crystal Tang. You got Marcus Pedersen and, and whoever with the new guy. And then you got P.O. Joseph and Chad Riedel. 
after that, I would say your number seven defenseman should be Mark Friedman. He deserves to be on this team full-time. And it was unfortunate that he was down the AHL for most of the season. I do not think he belongs in the AHL anymore. He belongs in the big leagues. And I know it probably was hard for him to be sent down to the minors right after training camp ended. You know, he was one of the final roster moves that the Penguins had to do because they were barely under the cap. Heck, they had to put on waivers multiple times a season. And honestly, my friends, I thought he was going to get claimed both times. I was kind of surprised that he was not claimed by any team, considering the underlings that he's put up in a very limited role, the Penguins, and just some of the numbers overall, and also his eye test. I would have thought at least one general manager would take a flyer on him. So the Penguins, I think, got super, and I mean super lucky that he was not taken by another team. But we'll continue to have him clean the system. I really, really enjoy Mark Freeman. And you know, I, I I do hope that he is on the big team next season. Because again, I I really do not think that he belongs in in the minor leagues, it was it was really unfortunate to see that whole situation pan out because, heck, remember, the Penguins wanted to have, I think, him and Ty Smith up to start the season, but because Ron Hextall bungled the salary cap so badly, they had to send both of them down to Wilkes. But, heck, of course, they had to waive one of them, and it was just, you know, it, it, was, it was an absolute tire fire. So, you know, really appreciated Friedman for this past season and the games that he played. And I'll give him a solid B for my grade. But that will do it for this segment of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Coming up to end the show, we're going to get into if the Stanley Cup will be rewarded on Tuesday night. I'm going to give my prediction for that coming up right after this. And we are back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You're going to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes, follow the show's Twitter at Elmer of Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. So tonight, we could see the NHL season come to an end as the Vegas Golden Knights are one win away from their first Stanley Cup in franchise history. They beat the Florida Panthers in game four on Saturday night. After the Panthers really tried to come back in that game, they were down 3 nothing. Brandon Montour makes it 3-1. to Sasha Barkov makes it 3-2. to But they weren't able to complete the comeback. And coming back from 3-1 down, it's hard to do once. It's almost impossible to do twice. I'm not going to bet against the Panthers because I've been doing that all playoffs long. I want me to look like a complete fool. I picked the Knights in seven, but right now, <clears throat> it's just it's hard to see Vegas losing this at home with everyone there. That is going to be a madhouse at the strip tonight. And I just love the way the Golden Knights are humming right now. Aiden Hill's playing out of his mind. Mark Stone is playing great. Jonathan Marchessault is having a lot of fun these playoffs, really sticking it to his former team here, showing why Dale Talon was a complete moron to give him up to Vegas, him and Riley Smith. It also doesn't help for the Panthers that Bobrovsky hasn't been as good in these four games, and especially Matthew Kachuk being hurt. He's barely been able to raise his arm up to shoulder length. 
he's obviously very banged up, did not even practice on Monday. Status, it's unknown for Tuesday, but I got to think he's going to play tonight. Biggest game of your season. I know he's battling a big injury, but he's going to go out there and gut it out, even though he didn't play as much in the third period over the weekend. I got to think he's going to go out there and fully gut it out. But, you know, Vegas right now, their top players are playing awesome. Their defensemen have been great. Aiden Hill is, you know, showing why he's probably going to get quite a big payday once this season is over. But Vegas, they are just a ton of fun to watch. The Panthers haven't really gotten anything going offensively in this series. Even when Kachuk has been on the ice, I mean, he obviously had the big goal to tie it in game three. Verhage won the game where he felt like, oh, maybe they're going to win game four. But honestly, this series has been kind of playing out like the 2016 Stanley Cup final between the Penguins and the Sharks, where the, the Golden Knights have, were the much better team in the first two games, much like the Penguins were against the Sharks. Penguins, I thought, were the better team in game three, like the Knights. But the Knights lost that game in overtime after a late goal. Same thing with the Penguins against the Sharks, Jonas Don scoring game three. Then both teams were able to win on the road in game four, and now they're coming back to game five. I know the Penguins lost game five at home, and that was a madhouse outside of PBG Paints Arena. There was a huge you know, square to watch the game. There was Market Square. Another TV had to be set up. Vegas is going to be insane. I don't know if it's going to go the way it did in Pittsburgh, where Penguins had to go back to San Jose to win the cup. Obviously, no one in Vegas wants to travel back to Florida, try to win a, a cup there. But right now, I'm seeing a lot of similarities when it comes to this Stanley Cup final and the one in 2016 when it comes to the Penguins and the Sharks. I do think Vegas is going to take it on Tuesday. I originally said Vegas in seven. So I'm going to move on my prediction a little bit. I just, I'm loving the way they're playing. Their depth has been too much. Honestly, every part of their game has been too much for the Panthers to handle it with Kachuk Hurt. I just don't know how much damage the Panthers can truly do to the Knights. So I think the Stanley Cup is going to be won tonight. The season will end. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. We'll go back to Sunrise later on this week. And if I'm wrong there, we'll go back to Vegas later on after that. But right now, I I am thinking that the Knights are going to take this home on Tuesday. Really looking forward to watching it. It's been a fun playoff run so far for these last couple of months. I don't want to see it end, but I I do think we are trending that way right now. But I believe that will do it for this episode of the Lockdown Penguins podcast. I do want to say I want to make a slight correction to um, a thing I had in my Monday episode. When I was talking about Brian Rust and how the Penguins had trade assets to get players coming in via trade, I said that he had a 15-team no-trade list. That is my fault. I was thinking of Jeff Petrie when I said that Brian Rust has a full no-move clause for this upcoming season, you would have to go to him to ask him to waive it to any team who you're trading with if you want to move on from him in a trade. Petrie's the one that has the 15 team no trade list, but Brian Rust has the full move clause that was is in his contract after Ron Hexall gave it to him last year. But just want to correct a little thing I had on that because you know I always strive to be 100% accurate for you all. But that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Penguins podcast. Really appreciate all of you listening slash watching. We'll be back with another episode on Wednesday. We'll continue looking at some more free agents, some more trade stuff. I will have some draft stuff coming likely next week. I'm going to drop my big board. Also going to look at some 
other big boards from big time scouts and other people surrounding the NHL draft to see who the Penguins should take in the first round of the NHL draft if they do keep their picks. So a lot of draft content is coming. Again, I'm going to draft my, drop my big board coming up next week. So again, thank you all so much for listening and watching. Really appreciate it. I'll be back with another episode for you all on Wednesday.